Hello and welcome to our University of Strathclyde podcast series, run out of the world-famous School of Education, right in the heart of the beautiful city of Glasgow in Scotland. We bring you a mix of meet and academic interviews, thought pieces, conversations and provocations on all things education, to give you a glimpse into our world-leading education research here at Strathclyde and of course to stimulate your questions and thinking around the meaning, purpose and practice of education in schools, in communities, and of course, in all our lives. Welcome to another edition of the School of Education's podcast at the University of Strathclyde. Today, I'm pleased to welcome um, Fiona Mackay, who is the director for SILT, Scotland's National Centre for Languages, and the Confucius Institute for Scotland's Schools. Welcome, Fiona. Hello. Thank you, Claire, for inviting me. So maybe to help her... um, Listeners, first of all, understand the work of SILT and KISS, the Confucius Institute. Perhaps you could say a wee bit about your role and your remit in terms of its national reach and influence? Sure. Well, we're a centre within the School of Education, but we're funded directly from Scottish Government. And our mission is really to support and promote language learning across Scotland. So um, that's primarily in schools, but not solely in schools. We work in communities and with a wide range of partners as well. So we're really probably at the centre of Scotland's languages community. And we pull all the agencies together who support, promote and have an interest in language learning. Well, that was nice and concise, particularly (laughs) given the range of work that you do. Um, and I noticed that you, you talk about national and you talk about Scotland and so on, but you've got huge international reach. And I know the Confucius Institute for Scotland Schools um, was awarded model status in 2018. What does that mean exactly? Well, it means that we've, I, I actually feel quite shy when people ask me this question. It means that we have a kind of world leading status and responsibility along with that. So the work that we do is supposed to provide a model for other Confucius Institutes. So we've got to therefore be right at the the cutting edge of of what we do and in terms of promoting uh, Mandan in in our schools. So we have to be innovative. We have to have new ideas and uh, and therefore be like a model for other institutes. And really we were given that accolade because of our programme of professional learning that we offer teachers of Chinese, and including the Chinese exchange teachers who come to work in our schools every year. Great, so I'll, I'll pick up on some of those um, innovations and um, activities in a wee second, but I don't. I think we would be remiss in, in not asking you to address some of the criticisms around Confucius Institutes um, and, the, and the funding that clearly comes from um, China. How would, how would you address those criticisms? Well, what I would say is that um, we're members of the, we're, you know, employees of the University of Strathclyde and we embody the values of the university. So we are not apologists in any way for human rights abuses. And I want to make that absolutely clear. Mm-hmm. However, I think the world learn, has learned that by um, making pariah states of countries does not work either. And therefore, the more people who can speak Chinese, who understand the country, who can go there and communicate with the people, 
um, the more likely it is that Chinese government is actually held to account. So we're very much for the learning of, of Chinese as we are any other language. But ultimately, our work is about people. And our engagement is with, between school to school, pupil to pupil, teacher to teacher. So that's really the focus of our work. What we want to do is create opportunity for Scotland's youngsters and for China's youngsters too, to be able to meet, to collaborate, to work together, to learn together. So there are opportunities for the children in China and the teachers in China to work with teachers and children in Scotland? Absolutely. For a start, all our schools, our Confucius classrooms are partnered with a school in Tianjin. So they have very strong links with their, their Tianjin schools and, and we facilitate school to school visits um, when COVID allows, of course. Um, but we also have programmes that, that are jointly run between the Scottish teachers and the Chinese teachers. So at the moment, we're working one on um, the topic of climate change, where the youngsters in China are, um, are investigating climate change in their local area. Their counterparts in Scotland are doing the same and then they're using online technologies to be able to share their findings but most importantly the teachers have worked together to build this program together and they've, they've learned together as well with um, professional learning that we've offered them so there's a real collaboration between schools between staff in the schools and between the youngsters and, and how does that work then in terms of the language when they're, they're collaborating well the the um, youngsters in China are using English and the youngsters in Scotland are using Chinese to be able to do that. And our exchange teachers, who are the, the, the bridge in all this, they're in the Scot Scottish schools helping the youngsters to do that. Wow, and so there sounds like a real kind of um, dynamism and enthusiasm behind um, much of what you're seeing there and, and that real commitment to um, encouraging people to work together across what could be not just uh, an international divide, but in terms of political divide or- yeah, And um, cultural divide as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So what's the most exciting part of your job then? <laughs> oh, you know, I've got the best job in Scotland for any languages teacher, and I still see myself very much as a teacher. Um, I suppose the biggest excitement for me is the chance to make a real difference on a national scale and sometimes an international scale, as I just described, you know, we've got the opportunity to support teachers and communities. Uh, and that results in better experiences and more opportunities for, for children and young people. So I think that's the, the really, you know, exciting part of my job is to be able to see young people really benefit from, from what we do. Um, the public sector runs through me like a stick of Blackpool rock. So I, I see myself and our team as public servants. And I think it's really important that our, our main objective is to, to serve the youngsters of, of this country and beyond. Um, so I think that's probably the most exciting aspect of my job, but the international travel bit's not bad either. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned your team. And you've got quite a big team and um, they're all hugely experienced um, teachers in the first instance, aren't they? But yeah. maybe you could um, give us an idea of the kinds of activities they do, because I know they work with children and young people and they also work with teachers and um, a broader community. What kind of things? Do they do? Well, 
possibly the biggest or the greatest priority we have is teacher learning. So it's you know professional learning, supporting um, practitioner inquiry, um, supporting communities of practice across the country, so that um, we improve the learning experience for for the youngsters. So that's the biggest thrust of what we do, and we do that in a, a variety of ways. COVID's made us been even more creative in terms of of our professional learning offer, and I've got to say. In testament to the teachers of Scotland, our professional learning this year has never been more popular. So even in the midst of all of what they're having to face in schools, teachers are prioritising their learning, which is fantastic news. So that's a huge part of the work we do. But we also um, do a lot to promote languages. So therefore, create, we, we run national competitions, really exciting ones, actually, that um, harness the creativity and the interest of young people so that they have a, a really good vehicle for displaying and demonstrating their, their language skills. So that's another major part of the work we do. And then we share information. So we, we make sure that we share information from all across the world about language um, learning and, and ways forward. Yeah, you've got your mother tongue, other tongue competition, haven't you? And then you do things like um, break, business breakfasts and so on. Yes, Maybe you can talk have a little bit about these. Incredibles running this year as well. Mother tongue, other tongue is one of my favourite things on our um, on our calendar, and it's a a multilingual poetry competition. So you can either write a poem in your mother tongue if your mother tongue isn't English. Or you can write a poem in a, um, a, a language that you're learning and, and submit that. And then we, we pull all the best ones together and have a huge celebratory event um, to, to celebrate the, the real one diversity of languages that uh, we have in Scotland. What a wealth of language learning we have right across the country. And also just to celebrate young people's achievements, their creativity, their, their thought processes. Um, mm. And every year when these poems are submitted, we end up in tears <laughs> every year because they're really thought provoking, clever, engaging uh, and really often really touching. Do you publish them so that people can get their hands on them? Yes, we put them in an anthology um, and they're all on our website. So if anybody wants to have a look at them, by all means, go onto the so website and you'll find them there. So you've obviously got a remit around languages and um, clearly it's important that um, teachers engage with this. But some, some people listening won't actually know the Scottish context in terms of um, expectations around modern language learning. Maybe you could say something about the one plus two policy and, and how, how you think that's succeeding or not within the Scottish context at the moment? Well, the, the one plus two policy has the ambition that all children will start to learn uh, an additional language. We don't use the word foreign language in Scotland for all sorts of very good reasons around about inclusion and also the fact that we have indigenous Scottish languages as well that are also taught. Um, so additional languages that are um, 
from primary one, so that's from the age age five, from so from the start of primary school, we'll learn an additional language then, which will go right the way through to the end of third year and secondary school. That same language continued all the way through, and then they should have the chance to um, learn a second additional language, no later than primary five, so that's aged about nine. Um, that language can be any language. It doesn't need to have the. It doesn't need to be the same language every year. It doesn't need to be the same language that's taught in the secondary school, and that's deliberately to to encourage diversity. So where are we with it? Well, big strides have been made, and sometimes I think it's really humbling when we go into primary schools and see how far our primary colleagues have gone from teaching no language really at all apart from in primary six and seven to having it right through the school and the whole school really benefiting from that um but it's still a fragile position you know the languages are still in a very fragile position um there's a lot of things that still need to be done i think to make it more consistent so i think we need to be thinking about develop how we develop language leaders for primary schools um, if children are learning from aged five, by the time they get up into primary five, six and seven, they should be really at quite a, an advanced level in their language. And therefore, we need teachers who are really competent and confident to be able to teach discrete language lessons at that point, you know, particularly ones that have you know, got grammar in them and uh, not, you know, knowledge about language. So we need teachers who are empowered with enough language skills and enough pedagogical skills to be able to do that and do that in an engaging exciting way um i think we also need to look at uptake into the senior phase and secondary schools and see you know how we can improve that uptake so that youngsters really see languages as not an end in themselves not as an academic subject but as a life skill you know the the vision was to normalise the learning of languages so that it just becomes something that you can do because you've been to school, you know, almost like a life skill, like, I suppose, similar to, you know, driving a car. It's it's not an end in itself. It's a life skill that will enable other parts of your life. And I think we need more maybe more a consistent a more consistent approach in teacher education so that early careers teachers have have feel confident on leaving um university and in the first year of, of being an NQT that, that they get support both in terms of language learning and pedagogical skills so that they feel competent and confident in order to be able to teach it. So I think we've still got quite a lot of work to do. And there seems to be an assumption, doesn't there, that um, in order to teach languages in the primary school, the teacher has to be um, fluent in the language. And I think that seems to be something that panics people. And it's a bit of a misconception, is it not? Absolutely. We have to remember our, our primary colleagues are, are generalists and very, very good generalists. I actually even don't really like that term because I think primary teachers are specialists in getting youngsters to learn. And you know, they don't have to know every area of the curriculum in, in complete depth. So why would they need to be fluent in a language any more than they would need to be a mathematician? <laughs> um, and not a little bit of the language can take you a long way. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it's about facilitating that learning and how to do that. So we need to make sure that teachers are competent in both that they have enough language skills to feel confident, but also have the, the methodologies associated with language teaching and are confident to be able to use them. Mm. And even learning alongside the, the children. Absolutely. The model of language learning would be great. It's a great role model. I mean, at the moment, we've introduced Arabic into our schools. Mm-hmm. So we've got 15 schools currently involved in a programme of Arabic learning. Now, the primary colleagues in, in that programme don't speak Arabic, but they're learning alongside Mm-hmm. their their youngsters and what a great role model that is to show for, for lifelong learning so i'm going to put you to the test now fiona as um the leading light in the language learning in scotland and um i suppose as a former teacher who considers herself still to be a teacher first and foremost what's your top tip for language learning or you can even give us a couple we won't limit you to one. <laughs> Motivation. Want to do it. You know, I think, and that's probably right across the board for any of the curricular areas, is giving youngsters a reason to want to learn and letting them see the benefits of it. So if you want to learn something badly enough, if you see there's something in it for you, then you'll want to learn. And if your experience of learning that language is exciting, engaging, relevant, to to you then that makes it all the easier so that would be my tip for teachers i suppose is make it relevant make it local make it um make plain the benefits that children are going to get from this are you learning a language at the moment do you know it's to my shame that i'm not i started learning mandarin and i just time constraints meant that I had to give up. Although what I would say is you never stop learning a language because French is my main language that, you know, I'm constantly learning new words and new phrases um, because the language evolves, language changes. And and it's one of these things, the more you practice, the better you get at it. What's the next big project then for you and the team itself in the Confucius Institute? Well, um, the at at the moment in the Confucius Institute, for example, we have <clears throat> normally we would bring six day exchange teachers over into the country. Um, we can't do that this year because of obvious reasons. Um, so we have set up a program with two universities in China, one in Chengdu, one in Shanghai, of virtual exchange teachers, and we are working with a group of. Um, final year master's students, for for the majority of them, of Chinese as a foreign language, who are live streaming into our schools, teaching directly from China. So this is a huge project for us to manage. Um, We've developed the materials, we've developed the the course that they teach, um, so that it fits in with the Scottish curriculum. But we're also supporting them with a a really um, in-depth programme of professional learning so the student teachers are, are really supported. It's a win-win for everyone. They're getting the teaching practice that they really need. Mm-hmm. And um, and we're getting the their expertise, their language expertise in our schools. So that's a big project for us to manage. It, it's something we've always wanted to do. And COVID, I'm afraid, just gave us the, the push where we had to make it a reality. So that's probably one of the biggest projects we're running. 
How do you even manage the time difference? Ah, because the universities agreed with us that their students would um, teach in the evening, so we they sort of rejigged the timetables. Mm. So it can happen. So the students work up till about nine o'clock Chinese time. Okay, and you're going to say something about another project, sorry. <laughs> um, there's a, a number of huge projects that we're running, and I did talk about the Arabic program earlier. Um, so that's another big new innovation that we've just brought in. And we have um, Arabic being taught. Again, we're live streaming it into schools. So we have Arabic teachers that we have worked with. And we've developed the course with them. Um, the teachers are all native speakers. We've worked really, really with, really closely with them to develop a ten-week course for primary schools, and um, a course for secondary schools that runs across the first two terms. Primary school course has a focus on literacy, mm -hmm. storytelling, and the secondary one has a focus on employability and what you can do with Arabic in the world of work. So this is. Um, completely new it's never to our knowledge never really been done anywhere in, in, in this way we're also working with the refugee council so the hope is that we will be able to um we've already identified the people who are set from the settled refugee community mm -hmm. and we are going to be able to train them to go out as arabic language assistants as soon as circumstances allow so that the schools will have the teacher live streaming into the classroom but will mm -hmm. also have a native speaker in the classroom facilitating the learning and, and helping make it come alive so well, that's nice so it's a nice project and but lots of partners to work with and mm. i suppose that's our strength we we, we like partnership work well, well, that's a positive note for us to end on. So <laughs> if people want to become a partner or they want to be involved in the work that you do or they want to tap into the resources that you generate, where would they find these? How would they get in touch with you? So website, www.silt.org.uk. That's SILT, S-C-I-L-T. Yes. Um, so visit the website if you want to get in touch with us you'll see there's an inbox uh, email address there just email us in and we'd be delighted to get in touch with you that's great there certainly seems to be loads of exciting work happening Fiona and congratulations to you and your team and some of these new initiatives and and how you've addressed things during um, lockdown has been particularly inspiring so thank you very much for joining us and thanks very much to everybody for listening and I hope you join us all next time. Thanks, Thank Fiona. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening in to our Strathclyde Education Podcast Series. We'll be back soon with another episode.